It is New Amsterdam Radio. Hello, everyone. It's Flobo Boys here back for another episode uh, where we talk about the creatives, the process, the struggle, uh, the challenges, the success, and everything in between. Uh, last week, I had the opportunity to speak with Jim Alexander. And uh, if you know Jim and he came from a world of After Buzz TV, we really focused on his exit uh, last week because that was kind of the more newsworthy thing. That's the thing you can clip out and tell your friends about. Uh, this week, which I think it's even better than last week's episode, is that we have a chance to sit with Jim Alexander again. This is part two of the King's Court episodes, uh, the series of episodes, the first ever two-parter here at New Amsterdam Radio, having a chance to really drill into what makes Jim tick, what makes him such a, a dedicated professional. Granted, he his vessel is very unique. Uh, granted, you may have an opinion of how he does his things, but it's effective. And he's able to do it the right way, able to build his own platform. And he shares his tips and tricks of how we can build our own platforms as we make our way out there in the journey. So it doesn't really matter if your passion, if you will, is making unique socks or something like that. You eventually are going to need a platform, a place where everyone can come and congregate, whether in the real world or digitally, where they can buy, they can share, they can subscribe to what you're putting down. And Jim really takes us through what he did. Uh, before we get to that, I just want to say this episode of New Amsterdam Radio and all the other episodes of New Amsterdam Radio are available wherever you stream your podcast. We're talking Spotify is what I use, but it's iTunes, uh, there's Anchor FM, Classic, Spreaker, YouTube as well. And please share the show. Tell a friend about what we're doing here. We're building a city for creatives, brick by brick, the city of New Amsterdam. So let's get into it. Uh, part two of my interview with Jim Alexander, and it starts right now. Hello everyone, this is New Amsterdam Radio and I'm being joined by someone that I was put with on a show over a year and a half ago and I hated his guts, but we became good friends and I think in some ways a mentor to me, especially when it comes to meeting new people. I want to give it up for Jim Alexander. Heel Jim, can I still call you that? Is that like too old school? No, you can still call me that. (laughs) Actually, I wouldn't like me either, so (laughs) no shame in that. Yeah, for real, dude. I, it was It's so funny how things come together, man. I, I tell this story a lot of times at parties. I was on a show called After, uh, what's it called? After Something to Wrestle With. And yeah. the second week, I couldn't make it. I went to the Rumble, the Royal Rumble. And then the next day, I had my Monday Night Raw audition. And then you showed up. And you're like, yeah, man, I'm the host of the After <laughs> Something to Wrestle With podcast. And I was like, no. <laughs> of course not. That's my job, man. Uh how are you, man? You're broadcasting live from from Chicago. That's how, right. How's that windy city, the second city? Uh, it's hot as hell today. It's shockingly, it's like 94. So, and of course, in Chicago fashion, it went from being uh, 65 yesterday to 94 today. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I went to Chicago once in my life, and it was cold, cold. Well, they, the summers are tend to be hot and muggy and miserable. So. I guess this is the start of it. I was enjoying good weather until now. It was all like 60s and all. Like, I'm like, damn, it's like California weather. Nope, not anymore. Yeah. I don't know why but enjoying my Italian beefs, you know, and uh, hot dogs and all the good stuff. So, so you you're born and raised in Chicago, too, weren't you? Yeah, definitely. And uh, what part of town do you live now? I'm not saying I'm, I'm going to your house or anything. I'm just curious. 
Uh, fumble your outside a window. <laughs> uh, so no, I'm literally the best way to describe. I'm like by the nearby suburbs, so I'm like 20 miles away, even less. Uh, like around 20 miles from downtown Chicago. Basically, the best way to describe it, I'm in the same neighborhood. I live right by Allstate Arena, uh, where all the wrestling shows are there. So it's like there's Allstate Arenas basically in my uh, in my town and. Uh, there's an airport too, O'Hare Airport. It's like right around the, right around in the same in my area. So I got the airport and I got the arena that people tend to know. That's what's up, man. So I, you know, I gotta say when I'm at parties and I try to describe what Jim Alexander does, right? Because you're like you're a journalist, but you're a personality and a fashion icon and a good looker. Like, how do you describe yourself when you introduce and tell me what you do? <laughs> I think that's better than I would ever describe myself. Uh, <laughs> You know, here's the thing. I think in a way, is, I know it's a bit of a cop-out. I'm just me. But what I mean by that is I I feel like people try to niche themselves and pigeon themselves into like certain, you know, I'm a brand. I'm just this. I'm just this. But I'm like a guy. I'm, I guess I would always say I'm, I'm a Polish Chicagoan. So for me, it's like that's my identity. You know, I'm a Midwestern guy to the core. Um, in that way, but also got that European flavor to me since I grew up in Europe as a kid, uh, in Poland actually. And, um, and yeah, so for me, it's like, you know, I'm a little bit of everything. I feel like you have to be in this industry. So yeah, I'm a personality in a lot of ways. I, I guess that would be the best description for it. Uh, because I use my persona and my, you know, opinions. Here's the thing. I think what I realized is I was always me in, in the sense that saying I I never thought I was like certainly like unique in something that I'm bringing to the table or not. I think I realized when I moved to LA that people aren't like me in a lot of ways that people are a lot more, uh, let's say self-censored and kind of don't speak their truth or mind. And it just, they're just, it's more in a sense, everyone wants to please others and you don't want to come off sounding bad or ruffle any feathers. And I'm just like, I don't understand why people can't, state their true opinion and thoughts you know like what they actually mean and i can tell bullshit like can we can we use some foul language here yeah, no. we totally pass that point let's go <laughs> oh yeah probably with me it's like a given uh but that's the thing so it's like for me like wow people don't actually say what they mean and mean what they say and like kind of like share you know, as you know me, I kind of people think I do a lot of hot takes and stuff, but it's really I don't even view them as hot takes. They're just opinions, right? Everyone's got an opinion, no matter what. So you know, m most of them aren't even worth a damn to begin with. But uh, I just felt like, wow, it was a surprising moment to me that I saw that people tended to be a lot more guarded in what they say and they craft how they say things and that just wasn't natural and authentic to me and I couldn't do that. I just had to be myself. Granted, I know when it's when you're stepping over a line, sometimes I don't do that stuff. Um, or, or, you know, when you're insulting someone, it, it's a whole different, that's a whole different category. But like as, as being, you know, someone that just speaks their mind and forward in a sense and direct, that's what I've been uh, always. And I just feel like if I was anything else, that would be fake. And I, I think people would be able to tell. So um, I kind of combine my passion as you know i get ramped up over a lot of things and and feels like a hot take but to me it's just like a real opinion coming out yeah you mentioned that that 
a lot of people that come from the East Coast, Midwest, say very a lot the same things about LA culture that no one's really forward and no one really says what they mean. I just want to know what your theory is. Why do you think people change, or why are they are they so quote unquote fake in LA? Well, I, I think I figure it out. I think you know you're from the East Coast yourself. You you get it, right? You see it. There, there's a lot more we can relate. You being from the East Coast, me being from Midwest. Even though we have a little bit different backgrounds, and you come from like we both come from big cities technically. Since I'm from Chicago, you're from New York. Um, but we can relate to that aspect of like you know keeping it real, right? With your boys, with with people around you. I think when you come to LA, there's a difference when. I, when people come there with usually with a sense of that they're going to make it in an entertainment industry, right? They come chasing a dream and for them, they don't understand. I think a lot of people lose the sense of what they're trying to accomplish in a sense, instead of being real people, like just because you're in LA and, you know, sort of the land of perfection, you know, aesthetically, not, not true at all. Um, but on the surface, people want to say the right thing. No one wants to rough any feathers because everyone talks about how small this town is. And it's true. You know, everyone knows each other, especially, um, more so than you'd imagine, especially in the entertainment industry. So people just want to say the right thing. So they don't offend anyone. They don't make any enemies that they basically, a lot of people I've at least encountered try to play the middle, right? They're, they're, they're Switzerland <laughs> in so many ways. Like they, they won't be your best friend. They won't connect on that level. They just try to keep a distance from everything, but not to the point where you'd ever think of them as someone that's fake or negative or anything like that. So it's, it's this perception and image that you put out there. For me personally, I think that's exhausting to live like that, trying to craft and cater how you talk to every individual encounter, how you go about the way you you're doing work and your everyday life you can't please people like people are gonna have an opinion of you no matter what good or bad and you just gotta embrace it because you can't control that as far as i've always learned myself like you know everyone's gonna have an opinion and it's okay because everyone's entitled to it you know uh and, and you gotta live with it but but the thing is that why I sort of in, in less than two years of being in LA, I've had somewhat success out here with not knowing anyone, not having any connections, coming out here kind of literally not knowing a single person uh, and kind of gra grassroots, you know, from the bottom up. Um, and, and even though I'd experienced in Chicago and stuff, it didn't really help in LA in that way. Uh, but the thing was, I just kept on being real with these people and people respect that people who matter in this industry, executives, directors, you know, people who are on a higher level where many of us try to get to, they want normalcy because there's, and I, I've had many conversations about this with these people. I interviewed tons of, you know, famous people and filmmakers and all sorts. They're always on, imagine being kind of like a prey, an animal that's, that's, uh, that's always trying to be attacked. And that's how they kind of are when it comes to the needy actor. You hear about that or the needy performer where everyone they meet for the first time right away wants something from them, wants a handle. Hey, hook me up. Hey, introduce me to this. Hey, this. They don't want to get to know them as people. They don't care. And people can tell. People especially that are successful who achieve stuff, who don't have to do this doggy dog thing 
or been past it. They just want normal people around them in their circle that don't want to use them because no one wants to be used and no one wants to feel like you're just like someone's meal ticket or, you know, they, they don't they don't want to associate you just for a purpose of getting themselves ahead. That doesn't make anyone feel good. And I feel that people just miss the mark in this town if they were just less needy and less desperate. The desperation comes through really, really easily if you look at it from the outside. Um, if they were just acting like they're meeting real people without asking for handouts, that's how you get ahead in this industry because people start wanting to do things for people who they know are you know, or don't want to take from them, right? Like you would, you know, you would do things for someone that you know is a legitimate friend that isn't trying to get things from you, they're trying to use you for something. You want to help naturally people like that. And I felt in my case that's happened, but it's kind of simple when you look at it. Stop being desperate. Stop trying to use people and asking for handouts, especially since you meet them right away. Just build a actual relationship and friendship and better results will happen. Yeah, it's advice for life. Even before you got to LA, unlike a lot of people I've seen in the digital TV host uh, area arena, you're actually a bona fide journalist. I know you honed your craft with CBS, was it, in the Midwest? Yeah, yeah. Can you yep. shed some light on that, that background? Yeah, so it's like... You know, I always heard this whole thing. A lot of people, going back to this for a second, come to LA to, to make it, right? They come with nothing. They might be, you know the prom king or queen in their town, but they, they don't come with a background. They just think they're going to get it all just by showing up there and having the right look and, you know, lucking into meeting someone. While that happens, people have lucked into jobs just by arriving there and meeting the right person in the right spot. That's not how that industry works in general. I wanted to be ready to come to LA. I needed to have a background, a portfolio, something where I can compete in the game and not be green. Because you hear that word green a lot in this town. And it's not a good thing, right? So for me, it was just like, I need to come ready. It's like you're not going to go to the pros. You're not going to get called up to the main roster if you... You know, if, if you haven't even gone through the minor leagues, like it just doesn't work that way, right? You need to show some uh, body it. of work. You need to show one or two. Uh, you need to show body of work. So for me, it was like, hey, I want to get into this journalism thing. I need to learn the basics. I went to school. I applied for grad school because I was done. I, I had majored in communications in my undergrad. So it was similar, but I wanted to do radio broadcasting, actually. Uh so when I first was, degree in, in I did, and then I went. I'm like, hey, if I want to be in straight up journalism, I need to learn what this is about. Since I already got my bachelor's, and I didn't want to go four years to school, and and taking a few courses wouldn't help to learn to all the aspects. So I applied for grad school, and I got into DePaul in Chicago. It's a pretty good school. Oh, yeah, it's a um, really good school, bro. Congrats. <laughs> <laughs> Big East school. Yeah. Uh, but and I got it, and they have a really good journalism program. It actually, it's the best journalism program. I, I know Northwestern has the Medill School of Journalism, it's one of the best in the nation. But uh, DePaul has a really good, uh, esteemed uh, journalism program. So I got into there and I started discovering myself. I, I first thought I'm gonna do the writing thing, but then I remember I had this my mentor. 
guy named Rig Brown. He's this like old school drill sergeant. The teacher, like the, the guy that doesn't give a crap, you know, about any like he's the the, the Greg Popovich in a sense, you know, like the the wily old vet, you know, what kids would be terrified going to his class. Like they would be scared out of their mind. They hated him. That he was a mandatory class. He did a he did a um basically he was the head of the school television station and he had a uh, on-camera reporting class right for for journalists for who people want to get into um, to news journalism right so he taught that and he was tough man he he worked you he he was a drill sergeant you know and like people don't like that because they like to be pampered or they don't like someone that's tough and he was a no-nonsense kind of guy and um, I initially didn't like him, but I won him over through my work, and he would be so hard on people, but I would kind of laugh it off. I wouldn't take it to heart, what he'd say, um, and people would, it, it was his way of doing see who can last and be tough, because this industry, when you go into like news journalism or anything like that, it is cutthroat, and I kind of survived or got through his course and i went for more and uh he saw that and he started really taking uh interest in me in a sense where he's seeing my career growing he saw that i had certain skills that and he had kind of pushed me towards hey you should try this on camera thing because i think you got something that others don't and i remember him telling me once i went into his office it was almost close to graduation he's like listen jim you're not a typical uh news anchor you know they usually have a mold where they want news anchors report for for news you know they have a blueprint that news directors run he's like you're really going to need to have an imaginative news director to get you hired at a station he's like i can see things go two ways for you you can either be the next ryan seacrest or you can be the guy working a local television uh public access tv i was like well damn thanks nice. rick i can either be a multi-millionaire like a huge star or i can be a public access tv you know where no one sees me ever again oh boy um, but that was the kind of thing he told me because he said I had a unique sense about myself and personality. He always brought up my personality and I took that to heart. I'm like, yeah, I got something here because I know how to relate to people and being on camera didn't phase me because I had done acting for years. Um, so it, I was comfortable. I had done, I had done improv. I was a pretty skilled improv guy in Chicago. I, I was with a troupe for a couple of years. Um, so I was comfortable in front of crowds and when we would do these things, uh, we would do these things in class. I remember where we would, he'd give us a minute and a half. He's like, talk, talk about a subject or, and, and you can't stop. You got to go minute and a half without stopping as if you're doing a standup, uh, basically. And people would choke on that constantly. They would do, um, um, uh, I don't know what to say, you know, and I would just breeze through that stuff constantly. And, um, he kind of propped me basically to tell me that I should try, you know, my interest was sports. First of all, I wanted to be a sports reporter, but I had this entertainment background because while I was at grad school, I started writing for a movie website um, called The Movie Blog. And that's how I kind of gained my reps and my experience in entertainment. I had no previous experience in it. Uh, the guy took a chance on me. I remember a guy, Anthony White, uh, a a guy out of uh, out of Harlem, uh, New York, you know, yeah. and uh, 
and you know, a really cool guy. He, he's the one that got me a start and, and taught me the ropes really of what it is to, you know, how to approach. He threw me into the fire. He's like, you're doing your first interview, phone interview. I'm like, what, what's a director? I'm like, what? You know, I've never interviewed anyone. Uh, but that helped me at being thrown into the fire to learn things the hard way and learn from my mistakes. And I think with Anthony's help and Rick's help at school, it kind of molded me to, to be myself and just go for it and be fearless about it because who cares? I, I'll mess up. I knew I had no background at that point. I was a guy that was coming from like wanting to do radio. I was like new to this industry. I'm like, screw it. I'm going to either sink or swim. You know, and I had these kind of tough drill instructor coaches or people around me, but that was the best thing for me because they really, in a sense, believed in me and, and challenged me to go to higher levels instead of coddling me. So yeah, one thing led to another. I became a film critic through being with Movie Blog. I was with them for about three years writing for them and I made connections with PR people. All these things I learned on the fly with Anthony's help kind of guiding me along and learning on the fly. And then uh, eventually I took a job after I graduated uh, with a C with CBS in Green Bay, Wisconsin uh, to kind of, I negotiate my own contract. It was kind of unheard of because you get two-year deals as a reporter, especially coming out of college. And that was a good market. So you have 200 some markets in a country and Green Bay was like 67. So it's kind of unheard of for like a college graduate to get in a top 100, much less a top 70 market. But I did. Um, I got in as a kind of a TV personality slash digital media you know, a manager, and I would do Packer segments, and uh, that's where I kind of built my whole persona that really kind of I, led me to LA after that because I was doing these like digital videos about the Packers, like these hot take videos that, that they were just testing out. We we're just like, let's try it. What the hell? We have nothing to lose. They were called like the 30 seconds rundown or 60 seconds. I think it was a 60 second thing uh, where you just like, go off on a topic about it and that kind of thing uh, i left the place uh, i left the station and went straight to la and kind of rest is history oh man look in, in that one answer i learned like 10 things i didn't know about <laughs> you before improv to paul uh yep. cbs and it's very interesting too because we have guests every so often on new amsterdam radio but it usually is two constants it's just making sure you have a team that sees something in you maybe not coddle you but definitely challenge you to do better and you go into business for yourself going out there and finding out what works for you so i'm gonna mm -hmm. jump ahead a little bit because uh the fact that that someone saw something in you you saw something in me because this spring i got the call from real talker which is your news <laughs> outlet to come help you out on some red carpets man first of all talk to people about what real talker is what it stands for and why did you give flo beat to a shot there you go this is where the good stuff starts um <laughs> So Real Talker was while I was in college, we were supposed to start up one assignment I had was start a blog, right? It's a start a, we had to start a blog for that quarter and maintain it and the grade it would be based at the end of the quarter how well your blog does. So I started a blog about the LA Clippers. Grant, I was in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> and and you, we're talking about the Clipper teams that sucked. You know, we're, we're talking about... Well, it was actually the, the, the beginning of uh, Blake and the Lob City Clippers. So that was actually okay. I think it was the first year they actually ended up making it plays, but they were going from being bad. Before they got Chris Paul, they just had Blake Griffin and Barry a bunch Davis. of scrubs. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, you know how that went. So it was clearly a blog that even Clipper fans didn't want to listen to, you know? Um, 
So I wrote a blog and it comes up like, okay, I'm like, dude, I like the Clippers. I'm based in Chicago, whatever. But I was also starting at the time being at the movie blog. I was ready to sort of start transitioning out. And me and Anthony had talked about, he knew that he's like, I know there's going to come a point where you're going to grow up and want to venture off on your own, you know, graduate from here, from the movie blog. And he's like, I see that for you. And I was starting to plant seeds about starting up my own outlet, but it's a at the time, it is like I am barely just getting experience in this industry, and it's it's a daunting task to start a website from scratch. How are you going to maintain it? How what what even platform you're going to use? Squarespace, WordPress, like what is there to do? And I didn't have that much knowledge on starting any of this. It was just basically a I'm going to give it a shot and see if I can even make it. So I started. I, I got the real talker. I started thinking about names. I'm like. What could it be? I'm like, I don't know what to name it. And there's everything he's got, like movie or film this, cinema this, you know, like different iterations of like movie or cinema as a website title, you know. And I'm like, no, I don't want to be one of those sites because that's everyone's got that name in some way, something with movie or cinema or film, you know. Uh, dot com. So I'm like, what am I? I'm like, well, my thing, I guess my brand. I didn't know at the time. Like, well. I'm a real talker. My interviews were starting to get to a point where I was getting good content and real stuff from people. I'm like, well, I want to keep things real and I want people to know that this is like where you're going to get real content and real stuff from interviews and, and, you know, not just the same thing about, hey, how's your movie? You know, I don't know who, if I'm going to get like five views, but I'm like, are people going to give me interviews for this site as zero following and they did because they just were they threw me a bone some of these pr people actually thought and believed in real talk i'm like wow, wow. if they believe in it yeah. i need to believe in it i need to put effort into it um so it's always so important it to, to make it, is what you're saying <laughs> yeah in a sense act like you you believe in yourself and you matter and you'll be shocked how many people will take that vibe off of you and sense that feel and will say no. Like what I learned is like I've gotten so many premieres I should have no business being. Here's a real talker. No one knows who the hell that is. I'm next to E and I'm placed ahead of E. That's crazy to me. You know, like even on that aspect. Like there's no way I should be ahead of E or Hollywood Reporter or anything like that. But I have been on some carpets. Literally I've been positioned ahead of them. Yeah, I, I was and there it, saw it firsthand. I mean, we were like next yeah. to us weekly and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. But it, it's one of the things is images, perception. People in Hollywood will not say no to you in a lot of ways. They will say like, oh, well, he must be legit if he acts legit. And that's how I've kind of gotten, in a way, a lot of these opportunities, you know. And and believe me, I worked at it hard, too. Like, I put in content, and it's like, it's tough when you know you're, you're trying to build. I know we had these conversations. Like, when you're trying to build a fan base, and you know, you look at the numbers, like, what? I have 100 views in a week, and that's horrible. You know, no one's viewing this. and But yet, you're working at it, and there's no, you're not gaining anything you're not gaining ads you're not gaining you're not making money off it but you are making it a full-time job that's what i call investing in yourself and a lot of people who want to do that want to have their own outlets instead of working for someone else for free whether or, or even paid or whatever it is you know freelancing they, everyone wants to have their own home and i always say build your own house from scratch 
it, believe me, it's going to be rough and tough and hard to build it from, from the beginning because you are taking and laying the bricks of a foundation and you have no help and that is daunting. But believe me, it will take time. It, it, even Anthony told me this industry is like, man, it will take time to get your name out there. People start noticing and the fans start coming in. But if you keep on laying brick after brick after brick, people will start respecting it and noticing it and they will eventually start coming. And that's, that's truth. And I can say I, I started Real Talker in 2017. It's a little bit over three years old right now. And people have came. And I've seen now my views completely rise in the content. I mean, I have like interviews with McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey. I have, I have, yeah, I have like big time interviews with big time celebs from the things, you know, being in LA for sure helped because you get firsthand access being on these red carpets and stuff. But Man, it's just crazy how starting your foundation really will completely always be worth it in the long run. Because I can always say I don't have to rent anymore. I have a home and it will always be my home as long as I maintain and keep it. Very, very interesting conversation with the man himself, Jim Alexander. So often when we look up success on Google or I use Bing, I know I get a lot of flack for doing that. Uh, we see people who are just starting out and we see people who are at what we think success is. And it's very interesting to see someone who is successful by any metric, but in his mind, there's still some room for growth. There's still some room for achievement. A lot of things to take from that. A lot of things where it may be easy or even advantageous to hook yourself up with another platform, another site, another blog, another vendor that will sell your wares. But ultimately, if you own the environment in which you create, you have the final word and say you can make it in your own image. Really, really fun stuff. And I'm so glad I got a chance to sit with Jim Alexander. New Amsterdam Radio returns next week, and we got some really cool guests lining up for the first time ever. Uh, I actually have guests like planned like in advance. That that never happens. Usually, it's like the week of or six days before when I make the call and I go, "Hey, look, next week we're doing the show. You're on it." But uh, I, I think it's summertime, and everyone's getting restless in their in their their stories and how they're adjusting to the new normal with the quarantine. So once we got past that. What are you going to do now? You're inside. Uh, now it's kind of like, how am I going to hustle with the new uh, table stakes? And, and a lot of creatives have stepped forward with their own ideas, their own journeys. And and I'm glad they're on the show. I can share them with you. If you want to follow this show and other, other episodes, New Amsterdam Radio, pop into a search engine. Uh, the podcast sites will pop up. And uh, if you want to hear the complete and unabridged interview with Jim Alexander, uh, Patreon, one place to do it, patreon.com slash voice. That's me. Uh, every guest we have on New Amsterdam Radio, I upload the full interview, no cuts, uh, nothing for the interest of time. If you want to hear the entire story, the entire journey, and it's it's been a pleasure uh, sitting down with other people. And if you are a supporter of the show, you get all access to that. Uh, in the meantime, uh, follow me on social media at Voice on Twitter, at Flobito on Instagram, um, and at Voice on Instagram. I actually parked it, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago. I'm still trying to figure out what that's going to be. But eventually, I'll get to be able to say, follow me at Voice on social media, which is pretty exciting. Uh, the website is Uh For those of you who are just wondering, 
Uh, I'm actually recording this Wednesday night, uh, June 17th, uh, to air tomorrow, which will be Thursday, June 18th. The next week's episode uh, falls on June 25th, which is my birthday. Uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to celebrate it, but I do think that I should do something special next week for the show. Probably find one of my VIPs, all-time favorite peoples, to be on the show on my birthday week. But it's 2AM Sam Radio. And as always, until next time. The city is yours.